You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. It's now safe to be in the evacuation area. That black smoke indicates that there was incomplete combustion. Look, I, I think that I would be drinking the bottled water. The EPA is uh, closely monitoring the situation. They were reporting rashes, and they were scared. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top name. The official word from the CBO is that deadline is going to be sometime between July and September. Everything about the economy right now counsels humility. Wall Street didn't build America. No, they didn't build that. They didn't. Middle class for America. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Authorities are still unclear on what is in the air and the extent of damage. No, not the spy balloons. It's a train derailment and chemical fire in Ohio that has regulators in a community on edge. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we bring you the latest from East Palestine, Ohio, in a conversation with Steve Cook, former deputy administrator at the EPA. The CBO has done it. We put a date on a default today as President Biden talks economy in Maryland. We'll be joined later by Maryland Senator Ben Cardin on the budget debate. And, of course, by our signature panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are back with us. We spent the last week in change here talking about the threats from above. The Chinese spy balloon, a series of UFOs, calls for a presidential address to the nation. You've heard it all on this program. But even before we shot down the balloon, there was a massive plume of black smoke rising over Ohio. After a train derailment and chemical spill led officials to vent and burn vinyl chloride and other toxic chemicals into the air to avoid a bigger explosion. You've probably seen pictures of it by now. You may have seen people posting photos on social media taken from airliners. This massive plume of acrid black smoke. It led to evacuations and a huge environmental mess. And many questions remain about the extent of damage and the potential long-term effects of this accident. Environmental and health the story has reached the White House briefing room. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says they're watching it. The EPA is, uh, is closely monitoring the situation that we, that we see in, in the community, and our top priority is the health and safety uh, of the community. So don't, just don't want to get ahead of what's currently happening. So what is happening? Ohio Governor Mike DeWine was asked what he would do if he lived in that community now that people have been allowed back in their homes. Would he go home? Would he drink the water? Look, I, I think that I would be drinking the bottled water. Um, and I would be continuing to uh, um, find out what the tests were showing as far as the air. 
um, I would be alert and and concerned. But uh, I think I would probably be back in my house. I'd be drinking the bottled water, he says, not instilling a lot of confidence in people. Bloomberg reports the chemical spill and burn killed 3,500 fish. And while no people died, there are real concerns about the long-term health risks here, including cancer specifically, as vinyl chloride is a known carcinogen linked to cancers of the liver, the brain, the lungs. And as the White House watches here from Washington, we get into all this with Stephen Cook. Former Deputy Assistant Administrator at the Office of Land and Emergency Management at the Environmental Protection Agency, He's now at Bracewell. And, Stephen, I'm glad that you're with us here. Uh, where to begin? Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, because, of course, your your expertise is in the, the cleanup here and the government response. He says that the state is working well with the EPA. Is there more that could have been done? Generally, um, when you think about the government and its response um, in my time at the agency, it was impressive how far the government agencies have come since Hurricane Katrina. Um, there is an incident command structure that gets set up, and there are representatives from state, local, the feds, all get together, assignments are given, and there's a clear line of authority. So for the initial response, it should have worked um, under that incident command structure. My time at the agency showed that it tended to work very well. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the decision to burn and vent the chemicals here. I know there was concern about a greater explosion, but people are just looking out their windows at this massive column of black smoke, Stephen. Is it was that the right decision? Well you have to balance the response from a catastrophic explosion down the road to the control burn that they did. And you're looking at long term effects, concentrations for you know weeks at a time to take that thing to burn out. Could have been you know, many days, if not weeks, okay. as opposed to the, the couple of days. So that, that's, that's what you're balancing, trying to figure that out. Also, by doing the control burn, they were able to release it to avoid you know, one of those rail, metal rail cars catastrophically failing yeah. and causing shrapnel to go throughout the town. Good Lord. Was it the right move to bring people back into their homes a week ago? Uh, it's all dependent upon the monitoring data and such. The agency yeah. has a lot of resources available to it for these kind of emergency responses. And so they go out, take the data and such. You know, as, as far as drinking the water, mm-hmm. depends on the source of the water. You know, is it upgradient of wherever the spill? Is it from is it people's individual wells? I'm not familiar with, you know, what their water source is, but you need to think about that. And, they, you know, if they are, have well, if it's individual home wells and they're downgrading of the spill, it could be a while before um, they get back on the regular water. But Mm-hmm. That's where the agencies provide the monitoring to check those those levels for them. I know you spent a career doing this, Stephen, but you don't sound uh, terribly concerned about this. The governor says he wouldn't even be drinking the water if he lived in that neighborhood. Is, is that the right message? Uh, once again, it depends on the water source. So, yeah, if, if I've got a well <laughs> and it's downgrading where the spill was, yeah. probably not going to drink the water right now. So I get <laughs> a lot of sample results that say it's clean. If I've got a well that's a mile upgrading of it, Probably not too worried about it. So but you can understand why people are confused. People are scared. They feel like they're not getting uh, a straight answer uh, when that's what they're being presented. Uh, absolutely. And that's one of the struggles the government had when I was there is the ability to communicate these very technical scientific information mm-hmm. in a way that informs the community 
And what the government oftentimes is not good at is explaining what they do know and what they don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's a lot that you don't know. And so that, that's a tough message to communicate. And then there should be strong coordination with the company to make sure they're doing the right things as far as the response and the cleanup. And they're going to be there for a while um, to deal with. Give us a sense of that. How how long should something like this take, knowing that you've got a spill and and you've got, I don't know if there's anything to do about what's in the atmosphere at this point, Stephen? The atmosphere has been dispersed, and um, that smoke is, the reason why you have smoke is you had incomplete combustion. So that soot has long since probably, for the most part, descended to the ground. Yeah. but uh, it, to clean up the, the ground and check for the water could be weeks, months, um, could be longer. depends on how much the, the geology of the area. You know, if there's a nice clay liner just a few feet down and it should stay fairly close to the surface, and you're fine. If it percolates way down and travels with you know, a lot of groundwater speed, you could be there for years. Stephen, you spent... Uh many years uh, working as lead counsel at one of the biggest plastic and chemical companies, Lionel Basil, if I'm saying it right. Uh, does, is this just screaming lawsuits for the next many years? What's the legal side of this? Yes, there, there's already been lawsuits filed, and yes, there will be lawsuits. And that's always something as a company, you, you run drills, you prepare for this. And at yeah. Lionel Basel, we did a number of these. But yes, there will be lawsuits. But the main thing right now is to make sure that accurate information is getting to those responders and that they are properly addressing the cleanup. The lawsuits will not get resolved in a week. No, it's going to be years, right? That generally takes quite a while. Norfolk Southern is in the middle of this. The the rail company, obviously, could rack up tens of millions of dollars in costs, but has promised the governor that they will stay on site until this is cleaned up. What role should they be playing? Well, they're the responsible party, so they have the primary responsibility to go clean it up, and the government oversight looks at it. And if the government doesn't think that they are doing enough or taking proper actions, there are laws in place that allow, like EPA, to step in and take over the cleanup. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now, the right party is paying for it and doing it, the company, and the government should be looking over their shoulder and making sure that they're there. And what you've got to look at is the long-term tail on this is they don't go away after just a week. Would you have long enough to make sure that it's done? Would you have gone home, brought your family back home, or would you have had your own due diligence uh, before you made that decision? I would have looked at all the information and made a determination. It depends on where I was and what part of town and what information I got from the government. So that's a tough question to answer without any information. Understood. No context. I think that's how a lot of people in East Palestine feel. Uh, right now, Stephen, we've been looking at these uh, balloons and UFOs for the last uh, week and change here. People have been demanding the president address the nation from the Oval Office. Does this rise to that level, that that BP uh, Deepwater Horizon level, where the president says something awful has happened? Here's what we're doing to fix it. I don't believe so. I mean, the, the immediate risk from acute exposure to high concentrations is over. Mm-hmm. because the chemical has been burned off and the initial cleanup probably has taken care of that. So now it's longer term. But you've controlled the source. You Remember in deep water, the oil kept coming up for yes. many, many days and months. Yeah. Here, we're done. And that's one of the reasons for the controlled burn is that rather than having a fire burning for weeks, as it slowly burned off, you did it all in one chunk. And so the fire's out. 
Now it's just dealing with what's on the ground and in the water. Stephen, thanks for your insights here. Uh, before I let you go, uh, what's the what's the real risk? What's the concern at this point? Is it the is it the compounding of burning chemicals that presents a risk that we can't necessarily quantify, or do you think we're out of the woods on this? Uh, the these chemicals is what I know about them. Unless you were right next to that plume and such, the concentrations you breathe in probably weren't you know high enough for the acute effects. Yeah, the immediate effects are really the long term. So if they do a good job of cleaning up. And yes, you may have been exposed to levels above numbers that you would of concern, but they're concerned that you would be exposed at those numbers for many days a month for many, many years mm-hmm. versus just a few days and you're done. So it's really making sure that long term that um, it doesn't get into your permanent drinking water supply and you keep drinking small amounts of this day after day after day, um, making sure that you know the air is clean and set. So there is more testing to be done, but yes, you can get out of this without significant um, effects, but it's something that you need to keep looking at over time. Thank you, Stephen Cook with Bracewell now, former Deputy Assistant Administrator at the Office of Land and Emergency Management at the EPA. People who live there are very skeptical. Ashley McCollum talked about this. She lives in the neighborhood with her family. You can smell it in the air. And even this morning when I took my kids to school, when they were moving things at the tracks, you could smell it. It was a little bit overwhelming. You can still smell it as we assemble our panel now for more with Rick and Jeannie. Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano are back with us today. God, I missed you both yesterday. Jeannie, I'm going to start with you here because the White House has been asked about this more than once. I just played some brief remarks from Corinne Jean-Pierre. The president has been briefed on this. Does he need to say something? You know, I I think he should. Um, You know, one of the things we've been hearing is that there is a question and, you know, Steve was just saying that it probably doesn't rise to the level of BP. And that's very reassuring. But there are other people who are suggesting that this is significant enough that it may require or merit, if you will, a presidential commission. Um, And so if that's the case, you know, a commission like that would help address so many of the questions that have arisen and that you were just talking about that the president really should address it. Um, So I do think he should address it. And I am happy that they were addressing it from the White House today. We may need to hear from the president. But of course, we're asking to hear from the president on a host of things at this point. So it may be too much. (laughs) But then again, you know, Rick, I'm not sure that that the UFOs are posing a threat to America. While it was obviously a big deal that we're shooting things down, we keep hearing from the Pentagon of the administration that Americans are not at risk here. People in East Palestine may well be. Should they hear from the federal government? Yeah, I don't think it's a fair you know, comparison. Um, uh, stealing our intelligence uh, from a Chinese balloon isn't the same thing as a public health emergency. Mm-hmm. I, I would actually compare it more to sort of Flint, Michigan, you know, where there yeah. was a public health emergency, you know, but tainted water. And, 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 nope, and, and people trusted the government that they knew what they were doing. And not only did they screw it up, but they lied about it. And I think this is a healthy skepticism we're hearing right now about yeah. this incident. Uh, because, uh, you know, who trusts Norfolk Southern? I mean, I'm sure they're a re- really wonderful railroad, but they had a derailment yes. uh, that's not supposed to happen in a very uh, you know, uh, sensitive uh, cargo. And, and, and nobody's really, I think, giving it the attention it needs, certainly uh, in Washington, because I think this is endemic of a aging rail system right. uh, yes. and the importance of our public health. But 
I mean, I, I think it's appropriate for, uh, I think, Joe Biden at some point to travel to Ohio and address the state. It really doesn't affect everybody in the country, but it does mm-hmm. affect people in Ohio. And I'm sure Mike DeWine, the governor, would love to have him because I think they've got to reassure the community that their their air and their water are safe, that, that you know, the government will sponsor testing and, and the things that they need to do to be reassured that this accident that they did not cause on their community uh, is not only uh, monitored well, but cleaned up to the to, to the best of possibilities. I mean, yeah. how many times have we heard, you know, the stories about toxic waste sites that were accidents that never got cleaned up right? Right. Exactly. And so I think you have to be very skeptical about what people are saying. And this is going to be one of those things that we're only going to know with the test of time. None more skeptical than Erin Brockovich, who is weighing in on this, Jeannie. She tweets, this is why people do not trust government. You can't tell people there's been and continues to be hazardous pollutants contaminating the environment while at the same time saying all is well. Children who couldn't breathe, they were having asthma attacks, they were reporting projectile vomiting, they were reporting rashes, and they were scared. Erin Brockovich, uh, Jeannie, this is a matter of trust. It is. And and people, to Rick's point and to Aaron Brockovich's point, they have lost faith in the government or there's at least, uh, you know, this skepticism out there. And Steve mentioned it. A lot of this has to do with mixed messages. On the one hand, you have the governor saying, you know, he'd go home and yet he'd be drinking he'd bottled drink water. drink the bottled water. That's right. So there are these mixed <laughs> messages. I should say so. We wanted to touch this because it's not getting enough coverage in Washington, as Rick Davis said. As we plant our marker here on this story, we're going to stay with it. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. 
Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. The White House could not have planned it better, really, today, not in terms of timing. With President Biden set to speak in Maryland, his opening act was Philip Swagel, the director of the CBO, who was out today with a date for default. We project that if the debt limit remains unchanged, the government's ability to borrow using these extraordinary measures will be exhausted between July and September of 2023. Generating the headline on the terminal, Biden-McCarthy budget challenge worsens on new CBO estimates. And that is where we start with Senator Ben Cardin, the Democrat from Maryland, was with President Biden today as he spoke. Welcome back, Senator. Is this going to help to have a hard deadline to work against? Well, Joe, first of all, it's good to be with you. And the president, I thought, laid out a very clear message on the debt uh, in, in his speech in Maryland, pointing out that the Republicans' desires to cut the IRS and to extend the 2017 tax bills will add $3 trillion to national debt. We need to pay our bills. We, it should not be a subject of negotiation. What needs to be negotiated is our uh, budget plan moving forward. How are we going to deal with the deficit? How are we going to deal with current needs? And how are we going to pay for it? And that's a legitimate debate that needs to take place, and those, those discussions need to take place, but it can't be with the threat of not paying our bills. That was certainly the refrain today from Senator Chuck Schumer, who's clearly in step with the White House here. It's got to be a clean uh, debt ceiling bill. But it's all hinging, Senator, and you don't need me to tell you this, uh, around uh, Kevin McCarthy's demand to reform or, frankly, cut spending. And the president returned to this line that he used in the State of the Union that it got everybody upset. They were yelling, Republicans, in some cases, yelling liar. When he talks about sunsetting Social Security and Medicare, this Rick Scott plan, here's what he said today in Maryland. No, no, liar, liar. I said, that means you're not going to cut Medicare or Social Security? And they all stood up and started to clap. I said, well, we got to settle then. Remember? No, seriously. Well, it's all on film. Let's see who votes to, 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 to cut it. Well, we are going to see uh, at some point here, Senator, but does that is that helping or hurting, knowing that Rick Scott is on an island compared to Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, who say those entitlement programs are off the table? Well, I think it helps because we need to be realistic of what we can get done. We need to have a responsible program to reduce the deficit. It's interesting, in Joe Biden's first two years, he's had a plan and implemented a plan that does exactly that. The Inflation Reduction Act reduced our deficit. So uh, there's action that can do this. What we need to do is have an agreement between Democrats and Republicans as to what the FY24 bills, going to, uh, appropriation bills, are going to contain, the, the caps on those that spending, as to how we're going to pay for it. And all that's a responsible negotiations. Now, does it include Social Security and Medicare cuts? No. I think that's very clear. Both, mm-hmm. both the, uh, the overwhelming majority have said that, if anything, we want to strengthen those two programs. So we need to take a look at where we can make savings and where we can bring revenues in that are needed and still invest in America's future. You've been through this a few times, Senator, this debt ceiling debate. Does Kevin McCarthy need to make a deal with Joe Biden, or could there be a gang in the Senate, possibly including you, that comes up with a deal and feeds it to the House? Well, I, I think there's going to be bipartisan discussions in the Senate. I think it's an easier body to reach an agreement on this. So these discussions will take place. But make no mistake about it, it's got to be an agreement that can pass the House of Representatives. And it won't have that chance unless Kevin McCarthy is on board, in my view. So I think we have to work with Kevin McCarthy.
Well, I'll tell you what. He tweets today, Democrats' reckless spending is plunging our country into deeper debt and jeopardizing our economy. A blank check for more spending will destroy our country. That's why we must negotiate a responsible debt limit increase that gets our fiscal house back in order. What's a responsible debt limit increase? Well, that's not a blank check. A debt limit's not a blank check. It's paying for what we've already spent. Right. So it, this is whether we're going to honor whether our checks are bound, not whether we, we are obligated to pay the money. We're obligated to pay the money to pay our bills. And uh, let's, let's use the right. They have all the leverage in the world. We can't spend one dime after October 1 this year unless the bill passes the House of Representatives. So they got plenty of leverage. But don't leverage the full faith and credit of the United States and our creditworthiness. That's only going to cost us then the taxpayers. How come the president is not connecting on deficit reduction? He talks about it a lot. He's he's got a story to tell. He's got actual numbers to show from the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act and and his his prior budget proposals. He says he wants to do more here. The American people don't seem to be hearing it, Senator. How come? Well, I think that's one of the reasons he chose uh, the, the speech in Maryland the, the today is to, is to talk about it directly. The fact that his record has reduced the deficit. The Republican program will increase the deficit. And he said this is a union dress. He said it again in Maryland. And that is, let's put the Republican plan out there. He's going to put his plan out there in the next two weeks for the fiscal program for next year, mm-hmm. for the next fiscal year. Let's negotiate that. And then, then you have transparency, and we can see exactly what the Joint uh, Tax Committee says in the, in the Congressional Budget Office as to who is responsible in reducing the debt and how we're going to go, go about doing it. So I think the facts are going to be the facts, and, and, and that will help the president get his message across. But President Biden's been very responsible. Look, it was the Trump years where we uh, uh, added so much to the deficit of this country, and the primary culprit was the 2017 tax cut that helped wealthy Americans and large corporations. Your uh, finance committee in the Senate today uh, held a confirmation hearing for the next uh, likely IRS commissioner. I'm assuming that he will get the job here. Uh, But there were a number of questions about trust, about uh, increased auditing, and, of course, the the now infamous fleet of 80,000 armed IRS agents that are going to be knocking on your door. Of course, that's been debunked, Senator. But what's going to happen to this agency that's in such bad need of funding? Well, uh, this agency uh, it used to be that we have bipartisan support in the Senate Finance Committee, particularly to make sure the IRS had the resources they needed to collect our taxes in a fair manner, to provide uh, customer service uh, so that people can get uh, clear direction from the IRS as to how to comply with their tax liabilities, and that we had audit procedures to make sure everybody was paying their fair taxes. That used to be a bipartisan commitment by the Senate Finance Committee because it's our jurisdiction, the Internal Revenue Service. But unfortunately, those days seem to be over because now the, the bill that we passed tried to catch up and give them the resources they need to modernize, uh, to, to update their computers, to update their their customer service, as well as to have auditors necessary to make sure people are paying their taxes. So it was disappointing to see uh, the commitment appear to be only on one uh, from one party to give the IRS the tools they need to carry out their mission. And by the way, if the Republicans are successful in cutting the additional resources mm-hmm. that we made available to the IRS, the Congressional Budget Office indicates that's going to cost 
um, and add to the deficit of our country because we won't collect as much revenues. Uh, if, if we, if we, we actually collect a lot more revenues than the extra money we're making available. Would you support legislation, though, that, that put a stop on an increase in audits for people making less than a certain amount, individuals? No, I wouldn't. I think everybody has to pay their fair taxes. Okay. And I want to see the concentration on the where um, people have the resources to try to get interpretation of our rules more favorable to them. So it's higher income taxpayers that are where the greatest return would be with audits. But I think everyone has to pay their fair share. And there's a need to audit someone under 400000 that should be able to audit those individuals. Lastly, Senator Ben Cardin, it's been suggested that speech we heard today, the State of the Union last week, sort of trial runs for what will be a campaign announcement. Do you want to see Joe Biden run for reelection? Well, I think he's had a great uh, two years in office. I'm very supportive of his policies. And uh, he, if he should decide to run for reelection, he'll have my support. He will have your support. He didn't tell you anything today backstage, right? He didn't give you any whisper on that? No, he did not. Matter of fact, we had a great conversation. Oh, he uh, do. And one thing about Joe Biden, uh, he, he he takes his time and talking to people. Really, and gets engaged. And we, yeah. one of the things I think a lot of us like about him that he he's certainly listening to other people. Thanks for coming on to talk to us again, Ben Cardin, the senator from Maryland, Democrat from Maryland, and uh, a special tip of the hat to our listeners on ninety-nine-one here in the Washington region. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 5 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. So at least now we have a date, a date on a possible default, as we were discussing with Senator Ben Cardin, the CBO, today out with news on when it will happen. The budget deficit for 2023 now seen $426 billion worse than projected last May. Debt held by the public seen climbing to $46 trillion by 2033, amounting to 118% of GDP. That would be the highest in U.S. history. Philip Swagel again, the CBO director, speaking with reporters today on what he calls an unsustainable fiscal trajectory. So what happens if we hit the ceiling? Debt limit is not raised or suspended before the extraordinary measures are, measures are exhausted. The government would be unable to pay its obligations fully. As a result, the U.S. government would have to delay making payments for some activities, default on its debt obligations, or both. And so we again queue up the doomsday clock because that, of course, is what's going to get something going here, right? You need a deadline. You need to know when. At the tone, 20 hours, 48 minutes, coordinated universal time. Mm-hmm. There it is. We need to make a deal. And Rick and Jeannie are with us to find the path here to freedom. Of course, Bloomberg Politics contributors as the doomsday clock looms now. We're not going to make it through summer, Rick Davis, without fixing this. We actually now realize we only have a few months to get a deal together here. Are they going to push it to the last minute? Is that the way it has to happen? 
Well, I may be just a hardened cynic, but it, it is noted that the new deadline is forecast to be July, right before the August recess. Yeah. And so I, it just seems to me this play is playing out to be like, oh, our backs are up against the wall. You know, everybody wants to go home for August recess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now let's get a deal cut. Um, look, there's going to be a deal cut. And I, and I don't think it actually helps our country's positioning. Everyone worries about like, oh, what's going to happen to us if it falls? Yeah. It's not going to default. There's a higher likely chance that that Social Security and Medicare defaults before the you right. know end of the decade than this happening, uh, and so I think all these you know theatrics around it uh, aren't actually helping get a deal done. What will help to get a deal done is for the president to invite you know uh, Mitch McConnell, the majority leader in the Senate, uh, and and the and the leadership in the House over to the White House and just frame it out. Uh, he started well with with McCarthy. By having that one-on-one, uh, and and it hasn't been followed up on, and now everyone's like pointing fingers. Yeah, there is a real problem with Social Security and Medicare, and it's unfortunate that all this talk about the budget is actually going to be counterproductive to getting anything positive done, so that they don't default. And I think that's a really bigger problem than than the debt limit. Jeannie CBO says between July and September, Rick points out. A very important point in that timeline here, recess in August. So we got to get this thing done basically by the 4th of July, right? What's the next move for President Biden? Do you fill the Oval or wherever they're going to meet in in the White House? You fill the Roosevelt Room with all of the leaders or does he really need to work this out with a guy named Kevin? He needs to work this out with Kevin McCarthy. And the real question is not whether President Biden and McCarthy can get together, but whether Kevin McCarthy can hold his caucus together. And that has always been the issue. You know, I hope that we don't default on the debt, and I hope that they are able to address this. But we just need to look back a few weeks and remember that it had been, what, a 100 years since the speaker vote went over one vote? This is the reality of the Republican-led House today. And so Kevin McCarthy needs to keep his, what he's now calling presumably his five families in the caucus together. And that is a big task. I note that the president did not call out Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy in the State of the Union. He's been sending signals of cooperation there, but he has been calling out those backbenchers, and that's going to be Kevin McCarthy's real challenge. And, of course, Mitch McConnell has taken a very different tactic in the Senate, but this is all about the House at this point. Chuck Schumer today, uh, Rick, talking about budget cuts and a bill that's being forwarded by Democrats. I believe Senator Stabenow put this out uh, to uh, sort of catalog the cuts, to quantify the cuts. Now, remember, Chuck Schumer has been saying, show us your plan. And we really don't know what the plan is. We don't know what exactly uh, what level of cuts to each agency that uh, Kevin McCarthy or his caucus are looking for. But but Chuck Schumer held a briefing today and he had numbers. Listen, 21,000 law enforcement officers would be eliminated nationwide. Okay, hurting hurting American security. Reading off a list. One million babies access to formula. Babies. Would, would would be denied yeah. because of the cuts of WT of of WIC benefits. WIC One benefits. million babies not getting their formula. Okay. This is not some abstract exercise. This is real pain. Well, it would slash five hundred eighty-two million dollars from opioid epidemic funding. I don't know, Rick. These are compelling numbers, but but are they actually part of an abstract exercise? Where are they coming from? 
Yeah, I don't know where his numbers are coming from. I haven't seen a Republican plan. so There uh, isn't one. So I don't know how he decides this. And again, it's just hyperventilating around this issue. Where's the Schumer plan, right? I mean, like Mitch McConnell solved this problem from his perch in a, in a divided White House uh, in 2011 and walked across the aisle and cut the deal. Uh, is, is Schumer any less accountable to getting a plan on the table in the Senate than McCarthy hmm. is in the House of Representatives? I, I don't get it. Uh, McCarthy, you know, he's he's going to get what he's going to get. Uh, you've got literally almost 49 percent of the House of Representatives are going to be Democrats who will war- vote in lockstep with a fix to the to the budget. So, hmm. you know, all you're going to need is, you know, some filler, you know, 10 Republicans walking across will get this debt limit fix. Hmm. Why is that such hard math? And so um, this is such an easy exercise that's actually going to fall out this way because 20 Republicans will walk the plank and never be willing to vote for this. And and then you've got a whole pool of another 200 that will say, yeah, I can find 20 on that. Yeah, so, well, I mean, there's a lot of it's really not hard math to figure this out. There's a lot of messaging going on here, Jeannie, and it's sometimes hard to figure out what is real. Republicans have been taken a lot of criticism for messaging things like the IRS bill or denouncing socialism or whatever else. But Chuck Schumer's doing some messaging of his own here. Where, where is this coming from? And is it good politics? Yeah, I mean, we don't know where it's coming from. And so Chuck Schumer has to speak to that. Um, Chuck Schumer will likely go along in many respects with what the White House puts out in terms of their budget, which we assume is coming out around March 9th. So we will see that. And we got a preview of what the White House is saying about that today. They're saying no new taxes over 400,000, protect Social Security, Medicare, you know, cut the deficit. And also, you know, they're not going to hit defense spending. You can't say the same on the Republican side where they are having having real serious debates about spending and even about the defense issue. You've got Republicans in the Senate hitting back on Republicans in the House saying, not so fast. You want to take defense back to 2021, 2022 levels. You can't do it. So there are real debates to be had on that side of the aisle. But you're right. The Democrats have taken this Jerry Maguire approach. Show us the the plan. Show us the plan. And that's what we're going to hear from in this messaging uh, for a long time to come until it gets down to the wire, and McCarthy has got to come up with a plan. Well, we could use a Jerry Maguire mission statement here is the point. Look, check your mailboxes tomorrow morning. Rick, is is defense spending going to be taken off the table, or will that be another form of messaging by, by taking out so-called waste in Pentagon spending? Yeah, look, there's always waste in Pentagon spending, and that's a good thing to try and figure out. Unfortunately, the Congress is the last place to actually be good at finding waste. They're the True reason enough. there is waste in the defense budget. <laughs> Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. 
But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 5 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. So she made it official today, Nikki Haley. For a strong America, for a proud America, I am running for president of the All right. United States of America. And there it is. We talked about it at this time yesterday. Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina which she calls the beast of the Southeast, former ambassador to the U.N. and the Trump administration, the second official candidate to run for the Republican nomination. Yeah, she's running against Donald Trump. And she actually had an opening act today that had endorsed Donald Trump in the last election. I've got to give a shout out to the people who took the podium before me um, to Pastor Hagee. Mm. I still say I want to be you when I grow up. I want to be you when I grow up, she says, about the controversial pastor named John Hagee. Does this name ring a bell? He endorsed Donald Trump last time. He also endorsed Senator John McCain in 2008. But John McCain publicly renounced that endorsement after some of his previous comments came to light. He referred to the Pope as the Antichrist. He said that Hurricane Katrina was an act of God to prevent a gay pride parade. Said Adolf Hitler was half Jewish, sent by God to drive Jews to Israel. And he's not a fan of rock and roll. I've had parents explain to me, well, I let my teenager listen to rock music because that's all he'll listen to. Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. The rock and roll. As we hear final thoughts from our panel, Rick, I've got to turn to you on this because, well, you've dealt with the pastor before. Does this mean he's given up on Trump or does this mean that Nikki Haley's a lot more MAGA than we thought? Uh, I wouldn't even call it MAGA. I mean, uh, uh, I had Pastor to reach Hagee for that. I don't know a, what I would call it. Peggy, Pastor Hagee is a throwback. I mean, you know, in 2008, we had to disavow this guy and he's only gotten worse since then. Um, and I would think some knowledge of political history would indicate to the 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 folks running uh nikki haley's campaign <laughs> what that, are you doing you don't actually have the guy open up for you no. at an event um so i i would say this was one of the stumbles um mm. in an otherwise pretty good rollout uh i you know i think the setup was good i think the speech was good i think you know she she did a she did a you know good job of creating expectations with the video so like i would have actually you know without hagee and and yeah. i would say one other um uh, Ralph Norman, right? In her speech, she talks about election deniers, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously talking about Trump. But Ralph Norman was an election dyer, and he was part of the warm-up act. Also a curious bit of booking. What do you think about this, Jeannie? Is she going to have to renounce 
Pastor Hagee? She should. I mean, you know, what was stunning, if this was a an error on the part of the campaign, it is an enormous one and not a good sign. She had a pretty good day today, except for this. And mm. this is somebody who stands on the stage and says she wants to be him when she grows up. This is of somebody who said women are only meant to be mothers and bear children. And there she is pushing a can- her campaign forward, talking yeah. about women running in high heels and may the best woman win. You know, God bless her, but this is not the person to make this pitch for you. There is a long list. Yeah, with apologies to the Reverend Shaw Moore from the movie Footloose. I thought maybe they were related. If our Lord wasn't testing us, how would you account for the proliferation these days of this obscene (laughs) rock and roll music? It's obscene with its gospel of easy sexuality. With apologies as well to our panel. Rick and Jeannie, we'll meet you back here tomorrow on the fastest hour in politics as the Reverend Shaw Moore plays us out. I'll meet you back here tomorrow. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.